All right, everybody, welcome back to the Low Side Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 25 already, and I am super excited for my guest in this episode. Um, I tell people all the time that running a brand strictly on social makes it feel like I know a lot more people than I do. Uh, and it's always cool when I actually get to connect with some of those people. So with that, I'm excited to introduce Tyler Schmidt. And uh, Tyler, I appreciate you coming on, my man. Thank you for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm uh, pumped to connect. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. And uh, I admire the, uh, the grind and, and going for it and doing your thing. Yep, we're trying. So I'm sitting in my garage doing it right now because my daughter and wife are inside reading books. Um, but I gotta, That's amazing. I gotta ask you. I usually start with like the where you're from and all that. But I, for you, man, because uh, college football is near and dear to my heart. I know you guys, your Penn State Nittany Lions are coming off a, a tough loss at home, and they kind of get another shot here this weekend at two thirty. <laughs> yes, sir. So that was uh, I. I have to say I'm not fully recovered from one of the worst Saturday nights of my entire life, uh, but not far much worse than the same Saturday night of us playing Ohio State the year before. But at the same time, it's been uh, – so, yeah, diehard Penn State football fan. Honestly, I'd say the only sport that matters to me in a world of I'm addicted to sports um, and sporting team, but – you know, what if you look at it in the macro of Penn State football over the last, you know, what's happened over the last eight years, I think uh, if you take it all into perspective, I would say there's no reason that we're in the position that we're in. And so got to be grateful for being able to uh, follow along a bunch of games. And then as also a betting man, I do bet them every single game, and that's worked out well for me over the last five or so years if you look back at the numbers. I, uh, I I understand. Were you in attendance or were you watching on TV? So I was not, which is like absolutely insane. I haven't missed a whiteout game in I think five years or so, but I was coming off back-to-back weddings and just being crazy busy here at the office. And so I was home at my apartment with like my five closest friends. And uh, from about 11.30 to 1 a.m., I just kind of sat in the couch and stared into space. And they were all like, what the fuck? Well, but uh, but it was it was a wild one and and it was you know even with an L it was it was a good night for the program in terms of you know stadium record attendance. My dad and and my sister was at the game and uh, and I'm gearing up you know I do a big RV trip with my family every year out to Happy Valley. We'll be heading out that way for for the Iowa game in uh, in just a couple of weeks. I'm a big LSU guy, so I think um, when you there's there's oh. there's maybe ten or fifteen fan bases in the country that can like understand what the other ones have, and I would say Penn State and LSU are are two of them. And uh, I'm dying to get up there at some point, and I know this coming Saturday the two thirty games are Penn State, Michigan State, and LSU uh, Georgia. So I'll be uh, kind of having split screens this weekend. And I'm pulling for you guys big time. <laughs> yeah, it helps. It helps you I mean, guys if we win. So that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I know it's tough last weekend, but and and to be perfectly transparent, obviously I was rooting for. I need a lot of chips to fall just to get what I need to happen. So I, I've been there. I was against you guys last week. I'm pulling for you now. I've been there, man. So no, um, I, mm-hmm. I obviously know the Penn State connection, but um, kind of. Even before all that, I think the way I usually like to start is just 
kind of tell everybody listening like who you are, where you grew up, where you're from, and um, kind of the the origin story of who you are. Yeah, so uh, Tyler Schmidt, 27-year-old kid, I would say, and uh, living in Manhattan in New York City. Uh, I grew up in a town called Montclair, New Jersey, which I think is, you know, one of the things I hold nearest and dearest to my, my heart and, and what I would say is attributed to whether I call it success or, or happiness in general. I learned a lot from the town that I grew up in and uh, in terms of, you, you know, is one of the most diverse high schools in the country and just communities in general and um, being one of the first suburbs just outside of Manhattan, you know, from wealth diversity to racial diversity, um, you know, to, it's a funny fact, I always spit out, it was one of the first towns that had a recycling program. So it was just very, um, you know, moving the needle downfield. And then also I come from a, an incredibly, I would say, large family. My dad was one of nine um, and everyone really, you know, lived in town and around town. So, you know, I, everywhere I, I went growing up, you know, it was kind of knew somebody here, knew somebody there. And definitely was held in check and had to be on my best behavior and you know it's it's really translated into what I appreciate now and a lot of what I do and which is you know being of service and, and loving to have conversations with anyone and you know my dad taught me from a very young age to just be incredibly curious at all at all moments in life and so you know to me I, I'm you know equally as um, you know interested in the ice cream man or the mailman uh, as I am, you know, any big time celebrity or, you know, CEO of any business for that matter. Yeah, I, I, so I would say that that's that, that's me in a nutshell um, in terms of just how I how I look at life and how I approach things. Yeah, I'd say um, growing up in the military, uh, obviously very similar mindset when it comes to diversity and people and places. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I sit here and do the, do this whole thing. So. Um, it's cool to hear that insight from you. When you were a kid, were you like running around the neighborhood playing sports? Like I know kind of golf is the reason we're having this conversation. Was golf something you played when you were young or you got into later? Like how did that all work out? Yeah, yeah. so so big time, you know, it's funny. I grew up on a, on a dead end uh, street, so not much through traffic. So grew up, you know, riding bikes nonstop. We had a nice side yard that was perfect for wiffle ball. Played a ton of wiffle ball, played a ton of side yard soccer. Grew up in a big lacrosse family, um, uh, you know, street hockey nonstop. So really, like, was versed in all things sports playing growing up. But to be to be honest, I didn't I didn't really pick up a golf club. I would say almost till I think it was maybe my my freshman year of high school. Um, and I've you know just absolutely over that time fallen in love. I didn't grow up in in a golf family. I think I played maybe two rounds with my dad before I turned 18. Um, I played maybe one or two rounds with my, with my grandfather. Um, but, but for me, what it's become and just, you know, the most macro is it's like how I spend time with my closest friends and my favorite activity in the entire world is waking up on, on a Saturday morning at 6am. And, and, you know, it's funny as much as I love even the golf round, you know, I, I don't belong to a club. My family didn't belong to a club. My closest friends didn't, you know, belong to any club. But uh, the car ride, the 45-minute car ride to a lot of the clubs that we play from, you know, 6.30 to 7.15 is almost equally as as exciting for me as the round. And I think that's everyone's type of thing. Once you tee off on the 10-fold, the depression starts to set in. But, uh, 
yeah, I think, you know, golf for me is two things is, is spending time with my closest friends and, and getting out in, in nature as someone that lives in the city. And then, uh, you know, and then also just a, a mental challenge, right? I think, you know, I, I, again, didn't grow up at a golf club, didn't grow up with a golf club in my hands. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a game that if you play and what I've seen is if you grow up playing it, you understand inherently a lot of things differently, but as developing from an older age, um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of a personal challenge and I haven't really, I think I've taken maybe one or two lessons in my entire life, but you know, I love, it's just self-development nonstop. You know, you're always trying to get better no matter what. I think uh, how that translates into, you know, into all aspects of life is, is pretty fascinating to me. I think you like literally gave the low side, uh, like pitch when you talked about like the 45 minute car ride and the playing with your buddies. Uh, we talk, I talk about this a lot, but golf, especially when you, when you get to be like in your twenties and I'm assuming even older becomes not about score at all. That's actually besides the point. It's, it's about all the things you just mentioned. So it's cool that you kind of tapped into that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And while I beat myself up and always trying to get better and better and better, really, you know, to be honest, I'm not the best golfer, but I could care less. It's about who I'm playing with and, and checking out different courses and understanding, you know, different landscapes and, and all those things. So how does like playing golf when you reside in Manhattan work? Obviously, you've got a little bit of a commute to get anywhere um, what, yeah. where I can. Yeah, so in that sense. Yeah, keep going, sorry. I was going to say, I can walk across the street. You don't have that luxury. So what's that look like for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I grew up just 10 miles outside of the city, um, and my parents still live out there in, in Montclair, New Jersey. And, um, you know, so for me, it's, it's a little bit easy. I'm just, you know, a lot of times either I'll, I'll head home to my parents' place on a Friday night or take a train or an Uber out first thing crack of dawn. Uh, you know, Saturday morning type deal and then be able to just kind of either steal my parents' car or go from there. A lot of my closest friends that I don't really get to see on a day-to-day basis because they either are living out in Essex County and Montclair or Jersey City or Hoboken for that matter. You know, my high school friend, my friends that grew up at elementary school, middle school, high school are the ones that, that's, that I try to use that time of playing golf is reconnect, you know, spend time with those people. I'm either, you know, hop across the water, get in their car. And that's why it is like, you know, there's, you know, for, for the four and a half, five hours of golf, it's really another two and a half hours on top of it. And, and a lot of times those car rides to the round where, you know, anticipating it, wait in, maybe have a beer at 7.30 in the morning in the, you know, shotgun seat of the car when I'm definitely not supposed to, <laughs> is, uh, is like my escape from all of, maybe reality if you want to call it that yep i with a wife uh and a daughter uh, i'm the same way i don't play as much as i used to but uh you kind of enjoy it a little bit more now when you get the chance so um that's exactly right you you mentioned i didn't know that montclair was as close to the city as you just mentioned um and being like a midwest kid I have family that, you know, they left and moved to Manhattan and it was, it was kind of a big deal when they did. And a lot of times they come back as they kind of age out or whatever it may be. But for someone like you who grew up so close to the city and so close to the action, um, I think it's interesting. Like everybody has a New York story was, was like working and living in the city a foregone conclusion for you. Was that always where you were going to end up? 
To be honest, it wasn't. And like, you know, I, I uh, it's, it's funny. I think I get, yeah, I really get asked this question a lot in terms of, okay, what are your goals? What's next? What are you going to do? And especially in the position I'm in where, you know, I've been Gary's assistant three years now. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, what's that going to turn into? I've really never, ever lived my life in that sense of, of, you know, what I'm trying to attain. Even right now, like if people ask me, like, what's your goal in life? My only answer is like, I want to have seven kids. (laughs) And uh, because I grew up in such a large family, but, but I don't, I, I really, never thought about what I'm trying to accomplish. It's just, I, I really try and take it day by day. So even growing up right next to the city, I would never have like big dreams of living in Manhattan or all that. I try and just see what's in front of me um, and, and go from there. Gotcha. And so in that, you mentioned obviously being Gary Vaynerchuk's assistant, who I'm assuming people who listen will know who that is. But for anybody who might be listening who doesn't, like what if you had to give the elevator pitch of like what is Vayner Media and like what your job is, how would you kind of describe that? Yeah, so uh, you know Gary is um, an entrepreneur, a businessman, a CEO, and runs a uh, uh, you know a large uh, advertising agency and really now what you would call a you know I call a media holding company um, and. He, uh, you know, is a, uh, a keynote speaker, is five-time New York Times bestselling author, runs a sports agency, a lot, a lot, a lot that you can unpack, and generally just like, you know, in one word, an entrepreneur and loves the game. And uh, and I started working at the, the media agency uh, five years ago as an entry-level employee. I was always a kid that was into, not necessarily tech, but I was a big Apple fan. I was a big fan of you know, social platforms. I saw where that could all go over time. And so I, I was into hospitality, but I always just wanted to do the marketing for the restaurants. Um, and one thing led to another. I ended up at the agency here. And then I got connected with his younger brother, AJ, who's, a, you know, a good friend of mine now runs the sports agency uh, and really went almost back to my roots in terms of service and hospitality and became his assistant. And so now what I do on a day-to-day basis is really manage all of his time and go from there. And as that, I, I have that conversation, he's calling me right now. So I'm going to take this call and <laughs> I'll ping you and we'll talk in five minutes. Sounds good, man. Cool. Yep. All right, bro. Yo. Yes, sir. You still there? I Thank am. You, brother. No, you're good, man. Appreciate it. You are good. Uh, I think you were. I I think you were just right back into it. Yeah, I think you were just answering um, part of your day to day duties. So that's exactly right. So I, uh, in between that, I just got a call from Gary and uh, just went through a collection of, you know, he's he's in LA right now. Um, He just gave a little talk at Digital New Fronts um, for Gallery Media Group, our publishing property. And uh, just caught up with him on the back end of, you know, some different happenings, some different things I needed answers on um, to kind of move the ball down the field on different projects and and things of that nature. Um, And so really, I just help manage his day to day from a logistics perspective where he's going to be for context on that. He's pretty much every minute of his day, Monday through Friday, is booked from 6 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. every single second from employee meetings, client meetings, um, meeting with, you know, fans from his community, uh, new business opportunities, uh, business development, meeting with founders that he's invested in, et cetera. And so I just oversee a lot of that. 
Um, and, uh, and that's, yeah, that's how I spend my time. Nice. And, and, you know, obviously you get to spend your time, uh, around someone like Gary and then not only Gary, but, um, all of the people and talent yourself included that come with being around the agency and the network connections that, that Gary has and that New York city has to offer. Um, what's like the biggest or what's one thing that you've kind of taken away as a professional, as you've been around kind of these industry leaders, market leaders like Gary and all the other people in your building? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, and it's, I go through it every day in terms of the different pressures of, you know, just business and at the highest level. And I think, um, you know, I would say the number one thing that I've learned at, from the high level of business is that you have the ability to let things go, the ability to not micromanage is really tough, but what separates everybody. Um, and like, you know, just you've got to be comfortable in letting other people make decisions and make things happen. And, uh, and you've got to not care about the little things and you've got to spend all your time, you know, making big decisions and letting the chips fall. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to move things downfield. And as you know, businesses grow exponentially, you know, how are you supposed to delegate and offboard certain responsibilities? Um, and that's really, really, really tough from like a human psychology perspective and how people think and people want to do everything and own everything. And it's something I deal with all the time. Um, it's not easy. And I think that the the best leaders are the ones that are working for the people that they're leading, not them working for the leader. And um, and it's not easy. It's really, really not easy. Um, and, and a lot of times everything you go through leading up to whether it's college or your mid-20s or what have you almost kind of goes against that thesis. Um, you want to be the man. You want to be great, da-da-da. And a lot of times the leaders, the people out in front, you know, are the ones that are taking a backseat and making sure other people are doing their thing and shining. Yeah. And with, you know, that kind of exposure, um, to those types of scenarios and that kind of leadership, I, I know you mentioned that you take things kind of in the present, um, and, and stay day by day, but has your exposure, um, maybe triggered any like entrepreneurial tendencies or made you think, you know, Hey, this is an avenue I'd like to pursue maybe someday as my own, um, business or as an entrepreneur myself. 100%. Um, you know, I, I, and, and just opening to the possibility of it. Right. But at the same time, you know, it takes a certain, uh, it takes a certain breed or a certain cat to just kind of say, I'm going to go on this thing on my own. And, and do my thing. And that's why, you know, like I have the most respect for you. Like I know that when you wake up, it's on you. And when you go to sleep, it's on you. And like, as much as I might have on my plate or stuff to do at the end of the day, I have the best air cover in the world and that's my boss. And so I know that, you know, no matter what, even if 99% of, of things is me fucking up, um, there's 1% that, you know, it still falls on him. And, and, uh, and so it's really getting over that third hurdle and, and what that might be. I think I'm in a great position to understand what I might want to accomplish um, or what I might want to do, you know, on my own or by myself. But, uh, you know, it's something I think people think about every day and it just comes to that moment of, 
cool. Are you going to do it? You know? Yep. And I think, man, it, what, what, I've been lucky to have mentors and um, spent some time in um, kind of a fast-paced environment too. And, and I think um, what at least you're getting in the seat you're in is like the Navy SEALs version of training to what it looks like when you do go out on your own. So even though you've never done it before, if that day comes, I'd say uh, your insight's probably 10 steps ahead of the average guy who just says, oh, I'm, I'm going for it. Yeah, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful for that, you know. But I also know that that what I might call the one percent of difference is like actually a hundred, the the whole hundred percent, you yep. know. Like yep. I'm I'm not naive to the fact that I'm I, I work for a salary and not I don't you know I'm not paying people out of my own business or my own pocket, and there's a big big difference from that. And so the insights of gathering it and then deploying it versus gathering it from doing it is a big difference. And, uh, you know, for all that, you know, I might be doing or have the ability or responsibility to own, uh, there's a big difference between being the one that at the end of the day goes to bed and it's all on them versus being the second person in command. Yep. I think that's interesting insight. Um, and then kind of last question I have just in regards to work and kind of the opportunities you've had, um, you've obviously been around a lot of interesting people and traveled to some interesting places as you look back on kind of those professional opportunities. Is there one, uh, interaction or one, um, kind of trip that sticks out in your mind where you look back and said, Hey, that, that was pretty cool that I got to go do that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, to me, the, the, the K Swiss project that we've been working on is like been a dream come true in, in my mind. And, um, you know, Gary getting a sneaker deal was pretty crazy. And even when that first started, it was a little bit different, but you know, I've now had the ability to lead, you know, that project, you know, pretty largely, obviously we have a large team, 20 people, every single person is really inputting on the, on the utmost levels. But to think that I'm involved in, you know, as close as I am, from a sneaker coming from a person that, you know, grew up a big sneaker head, loves shoes. Uh, my mom is like every morning, make sure you have a good pair of shoes. Just like <laughs> I have a hand in releasing a shoe. And, uh, that's, I think been, been the coolest thing, the most rewarding thing. And when this was most recent, the clouds and dark shoe launched, um, that was a pretty, pretty special day for me in my life. And, um, I would say that's gotta be the number one thing. And then, in turn, you know, two of my best friends in the whole world, Andy and D-Rock, that also work on this team with me, um, last year, about this time, we went out to L.A. and stayed in the Airbnb. There was like five guys of us, stayed for a long weekend for one of the launches. Um, was a pretty special moment and, and something I'll probably never forget. That's awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, I, these I got three questions I asked towards the end of all these. I, I don't expect you've listened to um any of these but if you have you'll have heard them before and um i ask them off the cuff and kind of whatever answer comes i always encouraged uh, you to run with so um first first question knowing you're a sports guy what's your uh, favorite sports moment you've ever played in my this is a tough one i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm thinking my favorite sports moment i ever played in might have been fifth grade indoor lacrosse uh, actually, nope, I lied. It was uh, a, a junior league lacrosse tournament. 
that we played in. I think, yeah, we were in seventh grade. We were a shitty team. We went to a big-time tournament for middle school across. And we showed up. My two uncles were my coaches. Uh, and we had no business playing with a lot of the teams. And we won, like, three one-goal games in a row and then won the finals in overtime. And uh, we had, like, a week-long party from it. It was a big lacrosse town, the whole thing. It was the Franklin Lakes tournament. That's probably, I would say, my favorite. Also because whenever I still see my high school friends or anything like that, it's something we always kind of harp on and go back to. It's a pretty good time. That's why that's why I ask it, man. The answers are always awesome. So, um, yeah, very similar. But uh, next question: favorite sports moment you've ever witnessed as a fan? Yeah, two years ago when we beat Ohio State at home in the whiteout, uh, I was. I would say, yeah, that, that's got to be it. It was. Was that oh, the block field goal? We were six, six, that was the block field yeah. goal. We were 16-point underdogs. You know, Penn State was like everything to me. The only person I cared about from a celebrity standpoint growing up or someone that was like meaningful was Joe Pa. I was at school when that whole thing went down. Penn State was like, you know, the shining light of like college <laughs> sports and then all of a sudden it was like the worst thing in the world. And uh, that game was like a kind of culmination of of like the end of all that. And uh, I was there with my best friend, stormed the field after after a fantastic weekend. The whole thing was amazing. I would say that that's definitely got to be number one. Those weekends are hard to come off of, man. Uh, that, you're telling me. I, I know that. <laughs> that, Sunday was, that Sunday was incredibly tough. Um, no, and then last, last question. I, I stole this from somewhere else, but I always think it's good to wrap up with. Uh, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Um, what keeps me up at night is opportunities. Like, I just, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to be in the position I'm in. I don't say lucky because we don't like to toss around that word because I've worked my ass off to get to where I am. But at the same time, I'm fortunate to have an abundance of opportunities around me at all times. And um, knowing that every time I go to sleep, I'm leaving stuff on the table. And uh, so typically somewhere between 12.30 and 1.30 every night, I'm like battling, like, you got to go to bed. And uh, knowing that I'm going to bed and the next thing that I would have done might have been fantastic for, you know, the entire ecosystem that I'm in. And it's probably not going to be on my mind when I wake up the next morning. Yep, I think that's a good answer, man. So with that, uh, like I said at the beginning, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of uh, your story and uh, letting kind of the rest of the Low Side Nation know who you are. So Tyler, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, brother.